Welcome to the First Thing You Think Of podcast. I'm Olivia, the founder of La Casa de Languas magazine, a bi-monthly magazine about languages and cultures. And I'm Ellie, founder of the travel brand One Globe 360. So one of the first things that definitely comes to mind for me when I think of Brazil, and I think it's surely for other people as well, is the government is something that's in the news a lot, particularly over the last year or so with the pandemic. Um, is it something that you think about when you think of Brazil? Uh, yeah, definitely. I know we were speaking a little bit before we we um, started recording about our initial sort of, yeah, perceptions of not just Brazil, but the government as a whole. Um, but I would say, yes, the Brazilian government is definitely something I think about when sort of first um, first thinking about, you know, Brazil. You know, even before I went to Brazil a couple of years ago, I was definitely aware of of the government, I guess, and not in too much detail, but just aware of, I guess some of the things that happened that I've seen, I'd seen in the media and to do with the corruption and and all those sorts of things. So yeah, definitely I would say um, when I think of Brazil and thought of Brazil in the past, I definitely did think about the government and um, why, I mean, why do I necessarily think this? Um, I think the media plays a big role in, in sort of the uh, portrayal of, of the government. Um, What do you think? What, what do you sort of think when, you think of the Brazilian government, what comes to mind? What comes to mind first to me is kind of just like corruption. Um, And like, I can't be specific about that. I can't give you like an example of something that's happened within the Brazilian government that there is an example of corruption. I think just through like seeing the media and hearing other people talk about Brazil, I just know that word, that just that word comes to mind. Like, do you think that shows a lot? It's kind of like, as we've spoken about before, that illusion of understanding is that you think you know a lot, but in reality, you actually don't. Do you think the Brazilian government is a good example of that analogy? Yeah, definitely. I think there's a sort of, is it like a sort of knowledge at a surface level? Does someone know, I guess, or has researched more? Um, I definitely think that the media portrays the, the Brazilian government in a sort of one-dimensional element, if that makes sense. And I would say that that sort of one-dimensional element is somewhat negative. Um, so I would say, yeah, I mean, it's so interesting, isn't it? When you sort of take a step back and think about, oh, actually, what do I think about the Brazilian government? Because, you know, I'm sure, you know, we can potentially both agree. And from the survey, people have sort of discussed this idea of corruption and seeing it in, in the news and the media and it, I, only when you sort of take a step back and think, oh, actually, what have I actually read that that suggests corruption or what have I actually seen on the news which shows that there is a lot of corruption? Does that make sense? I feel like it's almost become a stereotype. And people, if you if you ask someone, why, do, what about the government is corrupt? Or can you think of an event which has, has happened, which was showing sort of this corrupt side? I think people would struggle to sort of pick out an example Yeah, I think it's one of those things, though, that especially through like researching it, it's not a stereotype that is proved wrong to education. But I think it's just one of those things that you you obviously need something to back up your argument. You can't just say, oh, they're corrupt. Then if someone asks, well, why are they corrupt? You know, give me an example and you can't give it. Then it doesn't back up your argument. You can't just say you believe something without, you know, obviously being educated on it. I think that's the thing when it comes to brazilian politics and the brazilian government it's like much like when we discuss crime in brazil politics in brazil is also unfortunately something that we cannot say isn't a problem but rather it's important to ask that crucial question of why 
and to educate ourselves on the situation instead of blindly forming an opinion. And I think that links to what I was just saying about there's this stereotype, isn't there, that there's corruption linked to the government. And it's, um, I guess, educating ourselves on the specific, I guess, information about the government and specific events that have taken place to fully form that, you know, opinion. Um, is, would you say the, the Brazilian government is regularly seen in the news? Um, so when you think about, I don't know, the, the news that you typically watch, um, would you say that it's sort of shown regularly? And would you say that if you do see Brazil and the government and their government on the news, is that shown in like a positive or negative light? I think it's it's generally negative. I haven't really read anything that is positive about the Brazilian government, if I'm going to be honest. I'm not too sure. I think it, it is uh, quite prevalent in the UK news, but I've been reading a lot of like BBC Mundo and it shows up a lot in there. Like every time I go on there, it's on like the front page. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's generally negative. I As I said, I, can't, I, I really can't think of anything positive. But I think the thing with that is that they, it's like any piece of news, but this is a little bit different because obviously the stereotype is generally true, but there's just a bit more to it. But they obviously just choose the most sensational headlines, you know. They they only educate you on the interesting parts of it, the parts that you'd be interested to read, and they don't kind of show you the background and maybe what we consider the bit more boring bits that maybe people wouldn't take like 20 minutes to read. And it's those bits that put it into perspective and it's those bits that would, you know, form the basis and the evidence of your arguments when you are forming these opinions about the Brazilian government, I think. And sort of how important do you think um, you know, history is with regards to this to this topic because I mean we're going to go on to talk a bit about Brazil's dictatorship, um, what well, the sort of the start of the military dictatorship in in 1964 and and obviously um, the Brazilian government today and the politics today has been shaped by its past. As you know, this is I guess the the main thing about history is you learn so much about the past and you understand how it shapes the present day. Um, so, so what do you think about, do you, I mean, do you want to start talking a little bit about Brazil's dictatorship and sort of, we can then sort of understand potentially why Brazil is as it is today because of its past? Yeah, so Brazil's military dictatorship started in 1964 and the regime was fully supported by the US. At its core, it promised swift action to bring back the country from what it perceived as the brinks of communism. And the military dictatorship lasted for almost 21 years and the regime adopted um, policies of nationalism, economic development and anti-communism. It reached its height in the 1970s and this is a period known as the Brazilian miracle because um, it, it was a period between 1967 and 1974 when rapid growth and industrial deepening made Brazil one of the most um, promising economies in the world. However, this was also a time of heightened repression. Uh, during this time, the regime censored all media, tortured and exiled uh, dissidents and almost 500 people disappeared or were killed over the period of the dictatorship. Many more were detained and tortured. And many of those who were tortured were related in some way to the Communist Party, I guess, as you would expect. And just to kind of put that as a, a, into perspective with an example, in December 1972, uh, Maria Amelia de Almeida Teles was arrested along with her husband and another communist leader while walking down the street in Sao Paulo. And these arrests were carried out by kind of like a, a group um, that would be directed by the military um, dictatorship and they would be sent then, um, you know, to obviously arrest people. And 
yeah, they were just formed by the police. And that those are the people who I guess when I think of that, I think of kind of like um, kind of groups made like, you know, for the Nazis with the Gestapo and stuff like that, I guess that's the same thing. They'd be directed by the head um, to do things like that. And that was kind of what it was like um, during the dictatorship. Yeah, it's so interesting that like you mentioned. I feel like comparisons can be drawn to to other countries like you mentioned um and again this all just links back to history doesn't it and sort of understanding what happened in the past and then comparing the situation in the present so how much of brazil's past has influenced its politics today that's something that i don't feel i can i can potentially answer at this moment um, and i might not even be able to at the end of this episode but it's just so interesting to look at the effects of the dictatorship in Brazil today. So what I can do as well now is sort of just talk a bit, uh, talk a bit about the effects of the, the dictatorship in Brazil today. So uh, in 1979, during the dictatorship, the military government passed an amnesty law which shielded those who had committed human rights violations from being persecuted. This amnesty law continues to be in place, meaning that neither military officials accused of torture nor left-wing guerrillas uh, accused of violence don't face trial. Bolsonaro has made no secret of his favourable opinions about the dictatorship, in stark contrast to those of his predecessors, in particularly those on the left. Previous presidents uh, Rousseff and Lula, both from the leftist Workers' Party, were victims of persecution during the dictatorship. Throughout their presidencies, they implemented tra transitional justice measures. In March 2019, Bolsonaro called for appropriate commemorations to be held to commemorate the 1964 military coup that brought the dictatorship to power. This reversed an eight-year ban on ceremonies to mark the anniversary, which had been imposed by Rousseff when she was president. This announcement was made by his spokesperson, who said that Bolsonaro didn't believe a military coup had taken place on March the 31st, 1964. Instead, he said that Bolsonaro considers it as the day that saved Brazil from the dangers, in inverted commas, it was experiencing under the leadership of then-president Joao Goulart. What, what do you think about that? All that I've sort of just read there. What What's your sort of initial response? I guess it's kind of like, um, actually, that woman um, who I gave the example of that she was arrested, she said um, that Brazil hasn't learned from his past. It still kind of doesn't want to face it. And I think it's quite clear that, you know, the amnesty rule, it hasn't been reversed. So, you know, those who are involved in it, they, they don't face trial and the, I think the most scary part about it is that Bolsonaro, he he's known kind of, especially in the run-up um, to the election, he was kind of known for like kind of being favourable towards um, the dictatorship and, you know, saying good things about it and, yeah, just being really sympathetic towards it. And, I mean, I think it's quite obvious through that that it does continue to to influence Brazilian politics today. And I do think that it's it really is, it, it is quite scary on how he makes, you know, those types of comparisons. And, you know, but through this, I think we will make a lot of kind of comparisons to other dictatorships um, that, that have existed. You know, I think I think we particularly will make it to like the Nazis just because that's something that we can we can all understand, I guess. But imagine now if like, uh, a sympathizer of the Nazis came out and said some things that you know Bolsonaro did and they were also running for presidency at that time you know what do you think the reaction would be to that? I think it'd be a very scary you know a scared and I guess worried 
if people are being sympathetic to um you know to i guess events or ideologies in the past that have been so sort of so damaging and um you know have been you know a really scary part of of history um if you know if you're comparing you know the, the nazis and i look back to, to my education and and um and i learned i've learned a lot about you know the the world wars and and sort of the britain germany dynamic and and the nazis and hitler um and yeah i think comparing that to brazil and obviously brazil's situation is slightly more recent than i guess with with hitler and the, and the nazis it's quite scary to to sort of think don't you think you know this idea that brazil hasn't faced up to its past it's almost trapped in its past rather than sort of living in its present and then into the future if that makes sense you know if it's stuck in its past does that mean that its citizens are influenced by all these events that have happened in the past it's are they are the other citizens influenced by by the president by by all the politics what do you think about that as a as what do you think about in terms of brazil as a whole do you think it's it's sort of not progressing as much as it could because it's being held back by its past yeah i mean i think what's the most important thing to kind of keep in mind there is like obviously the people and the government like they're two separate things so like you know the people they could be good people they could do good things and you know that's completely separate but you know in terms of politics that's that's the way it kind of showcases the country obviously like all international relations are done through the government the politics and stuff like that and I do think it does hold it back and I think it's quite scary to think that in that sense that Brazil is one of the BRICS countries um, and to think that there's still this kind of ideology you know at the at the forefront of the government like again to put it into perspective like could you imagine now if like Angela Merkel came out and was sympathetic towards um, you know the, the dictatorship in in Germany. You know during the Nazis. Like, could could you imagine that? <laughs> like, I I couldn't. I could not imagine. And I think the whole world would be in shock. To be completely honest, if if you know Angela Merkel did did come out and 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 spoke in a sympathetic manner about that time period. Um, I think yeah. I think the whole world would be in complete shock. And I think um, different oh, lots of different countries around the world would view Germany differently if if she came out with 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 certain remarks and comments so um yeah what, what do you think about that yeah I think for me and I don't know if there's the right answer to this and I can't think of the answer personally but why do you think Brazil is different because I don't feel like it's been in the news you know and you know it's obviously a lot online because we've researched it but I would have expected it to be him making these comments now. I would have expected it to be a lot of a bigger thing than what it is, a lot more controversial, like it being everywhere, people making a big deal out of it. And I think, as yeah. you said, it certainly would be the thing if this was Germany saying those comments. Why do you think there seems to be something different about Brazil? Do you think it's almost kind of like expected because of the stereotypes that already exist around the country that we kind of expect kind of this type of thing to be said you know bad things like this to be said yeah I, I think so and again I'm not 100% sure of the answer but I would say that the idea of these stereotypes and yeah I would say link link to our perception of this situation in terms of why is there not as much outrage you know what why it, why is Brazil different to, to if it happened you know in, in Germany now like you said with Angela Merkel why is it different do you think Brazil's more disconnected from 
I don't know from from the UK in terms of because obviously if you, if you compare sort of the UK to the UK's response to say for example Angela and Angela Merkel did say that we're closer do you think we're closer connected to Germany than we are to Brazil and because Brazil seems a little bit further away and a bit more disconnected from I guess where we are here do you think that's think that's why for example like our government might respond differently if it was like the difference between Brazil and Germany I think there's like a few factors I think that well first of all like in terms of the dictatorship that happened in, in, in Germany, like I think we can all relate to that. I think we all feel affected by that in some way if they came out and said that. I feel like in Brazil though, it's like I don't feel any kind of like, if he said that, like I obviously say, oh, it's wrong, you know, I, I would stand up for that, but I don't feel any kind of like personal connection to it, if that makes sense. I also feel like um, in terms of Germany, there obviously exist stereotypes because there's stereotypes for every country in the world, but... I don't feel like the stereotypes about Germany are on the same level as they are on Brazil. I think there are already in Brazil, you know, stereotypes as we looked at about those who live in the favelas, crime, stuff like that. There's a lot more very harsh and bad stereotypes about Brazil than there are about Germany. So I think it just maybe makes it a little bit more uh, believable that these types of things can happen and it's it's not so much of a shock as uh, as we were talking about before you know um, we we're talking about obviously outside of the, the podcast you know, we were talking about the documentaries that are on BBC and there was one of them um, it was about does it back lives matter in Brazil and one of the things they said in that podcast is in America you know with the death of George Floyd last year caused massive um, protests obviously and a massive movement around the world but when these black people are killed in Brazil it doesn't cause that it, it doesn't cause that massive movement because well it, it's more unfortunately it's more normal and I think maybe the same kind of perspective there can be applied to this situation in terms of politics. I don't think people people kind of, I guess, expect it a bit more. It's not so abnormal. Whereas if it was Germany, we'd be thinking, you know, Germany is a very, you know, kind of like, I guess, modern country in terms of ideology. You know, what are they doing mm-hmm. type of thing? Yeah. It goes back to the idea of sort of Brazil potentially like living in the past and not being as sort of um yeah as modern I guess if you want to call it like it's hard to sort of explain isn't it but I when I say modern I mean sort of mirroring other countries nowadays in their ideologies in terms of like you know like you said with Germany for example you know if that something like this happened in in Germany there'd be this you know outrage um so so the question I guess we're asking is why in Brazil is is this still happening? You know, you said with George Floyd in America that caused, you know, caused the movement and caused protests, but why in Brazil is it not causing protests and people asking, no, this is this is not okay. Why is this happening? You know, um, I don't know, is that, is that, I mean, there's this whole issue as well about sort of education. And I know we've spoken about education a lot, but how vital would you say education is in, in this whole topic? I think, yeah, if you're not taught that something is wrong, like how else are you supposed to realise it? Of course, you know, you can figure it out yourself, but that's going to take a lot longer than if it's drilled into you from a young age that something is wrong. Um, you know, it's so, so important. Again, putting in perspective, you know, 
the the Nazis and and that dictatorship is taught even you know in in our education system you know quite a lot and um I have looked it up and it is taught uh, quite a lot in Germany you know they take um concentration camps and 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 stuff like that and that is such a massive part like again could you imagine if that the wasn't taught at all in Germany you know I'm sure people would have a lot to say about that and that's because it's yeah. so so important and I think you go throughout history people have viewed education as kind of like so important like if you look in terms of again dictatorships again if we look at, at Hitler he used education you know from a young age um, to kind of drill in his ideology if you look at the dictatorship in, in Spain with Franco you know he did the same and that's because they they saw the value in education you know um if we drill it into them from a young age they're not going to question it obviously that's that teaching is quite different to the teaching of that that type of ideology is wrong but the same value was there that if you drill in this this view um from a young age then they're just going to know it to be you know this is the way that you should view it and if it's taught in yeah. schools that you know the the ideology of these dictatorships like the one in Brazil is wrong and this is how it should be viewed then people are going to believe that and they're not going to they're not going to question if it's right or wrong or maybe go down the wrong path they're just going to know you know it's it's wrong yeah and I mean just a bit more information here about um so the Brazil's education policies with with sort of regards to the the dictatorship. So unfortunately, there have been signs that a sympathetic view of the dictatorship could be reflected in Brazil's education policies. Um, In April 2019, the education minister at the time proposed changes to the curriculum that would affect how the history of the dictatorship is presented in schools. He wanted to provide what he said to be a more truthful perspective of what he described as a democratic regime by force. His replacement is no better. He said that compared to other regimes, from that that era in Latin America, he did not agree with describing what happened in Brazil as a dictatorship. The replacement education minister has helped put together a set of austerity uh, measures for the national uh, discretionary education budget, which will will cut it by approximately 23%. He has plans to reduce investment in philosophy and sociology schools in favour of areas that generate more immediate return, such as engineering, uh, veterinary and medicine faculties. What effect do you think this can have in terms of, um, you know, these, these, these ministers and these, um, these people in such key roles within um, education and within, um, you know, politics and the government in Brazil, these key figures are coming out and, and, you know, stating, you know, I'll just quote what I said again, he did not agree with describing what happened in Brazil as a dictatorship. And then there's now these plans to reduce investment in philosophy and sociology schools in favours of, of engineering and and veterinary and medicine faculties what what damage do you think this has in terms of educating brazil's um you know children about what's happened and do you think because this this education is so one-sided so one-sided to what these key ministers think that these kids are going to grow up with a an idea of of what happened in terms of the dictatorship which isn't necessarily the truth i think more so than anything it will just kind of blur out that part of the history so that it's kind of like it might have kind of like be like us, you know, when we're reading this for the first time, we're like, oh, did that actually happen? And sometimes when it, when it's to do with things like that, not knowing is actually, you know, that that's part of the problem because especially when you, you look at Bolsonaro now, a lot of his votes come from the young people. 
and if they don't know so much especially like young these young people now they, they didn't live through the dictatorship so only way they're gonna know is through education if they're not educated on it then it's so much easier for them to vote for people who maybe are reflecting the same types of ideologies as that which um, took place during the dictatorship um you know of course I don't think you know you don't need to stand there and like recite loads of facts and figures about it but you just need to I guess it's more so to know kind of like the warning signs of it taking place again or yeah you know and if you don't know that then you know you, as I said you're going to you might be drawn to people who are kind of showing the same red flags and you're not going to know because you you know first of all you didn't have that first-hand experience and and now you you like that part of history was just blurred out so you're, you're none the wiser I guess. And you say this, so this idea of it being sort of blurred out do you think personally that Brazil has like learned from from it or are there echoes from the past coming through in, in Bolsonaro's presidency sort of in the present day? I guess it's like difficult for us to say like if Brazilian society and Brazilian population have learned from it because you know we're not Brazilian you know and stuff like that it's difficult to say like for you know for sure but I think you know and again it goes to that thing of like the people and the government and stuff like that so you know if, if Bolsonaro is saying these things about the dictatorship it doesn't necessarily mean that the whole Brazilian population believe that yeah um, but I mean I feel like you're always going to have people who are sympathetic towards certain dictatorships you know you, you again you still have those who are sympathetic towards the Nazis those are sympathetic towards the you know Franco's dictatorship in Spain and I think that's always going to exist but I think when it becomes you know more scary is when that person has power yeah no definitely and you know it again it links back to this this whole comparison idea doesn't it of Brazil is one of many countries around the world which have had dictatorships and those dictatorships form a really you know significant part of their recent history so you know history is history is a, a funny one isn't it? it it's interesting to sort of think back sort of you know even with the Franco dictatorship and you know with with the Nazis you know it really wasn't that long ago if you think about history as a whole if that makes sense you know it's modern yeah. this is modern yeah. modern and contemporary history um so it's really interesting to think about this whole like idea of like echoes from the past i don't think we've i don't know has enough time happened like occurred since these events happened for it to have like completely gone away from brazilian i guess ideologies and opinions i don't know like it it's one of those ones where, like you mentioned, you know, we're not Brazilian, so we we probably can't answer that really. We don't know the impact that the you know the dictatorship has still in their day to day life or in discussions they have with like fellow Brazilians or the impact like it's got now on Bolsonaro's presidency. I feel like we won't ever truly know unless we were like a Brazilian Brazilian citizen. If that makes sense, because I'm yeah. sure they're they're fully aware of. The impact of it all and only they know for example how they've been educated on it only they know like what their parents have told them or what friends and family have told them you know um it's one of those things where we can have a conversation but we'll never truly know the answer if that makes sense yeah i think the thing about this is i think no matter how long it has been 
the the effect is always going to be seen for example if they yeah. vote in someone who is completely opposite completely opposite ideologies that's obviously an effect because they've been shown oh we can't have that type of person those ideologies um you know in power so we're going to vote someone who is opposite and if they vote someone who's the same then you could say that that's an effect as well so i think maybe it's maybe it's more so that it's just different to see if it's an if it's an effect i think it's that's the thing of hindsight um but, yeah like I was just thinking just now like how important do you think it, it is to kind of make these comparisons make these kind of like analogies to be able to understand it like obviously we've spoken a lot about particularly the Nazis we've spoken a little bit about Franco's regime how important do you think it is to make kind of those comparisons just to be able to understand it not even to say that they're the same but obviously we can relate yeah. to those things a lot more how important do you think that is just to understand and make that connection I think incredibly important in understanding. I think, um, you know, I, uh, in terms of my education and, you know, I've studied history, GCC, A-level and now at university. So I've been exposed to lots of different, um, his, you know, history from different countries, from different time periods, from different wars. Um, and, you know, I've learned a lot about uh, the Franco dictatorship, especially at university. I learned, like I mentioned, about Hitler and, and the Nazis um, during my A-levels uh, and like GCSEs at school. So I feel like drawing comparisons between um, similar, I guess, events or situations can help you understand situations that you don't understand as much, if that makes sense. So because I know about the Franco dictatorship and I know about, about Hitler and the, and the Nazis and that situation, potentially it can help me maybe understand Brazil's situation more if that makes sense because yeah you can sort of draw comparisons between the different they are different of course they're not all the same however some comparisons can be drawn in terms of what happened how things came about the effects the impacts those sorts of things what do you think yeah I think it's so important like obviously there are stark differences in, in each one and we're not saying like you know they're the exact same or they exactly reflect each other but it's just that yeah. thing for, for understanding isn't it like to say that obviously dictatorship in general is the same but obviously yeah. like there's distinct things in each one um, but just to be able to com- generally understand and put it into perspective I think if we were to just read out these things and not make those comparisons it's a little bit difficult to completely understand kind of like I guess the gravity of the situation yeah no definitely it you know it all comes from again this whole idea of education and and um, you know some people may have been educated on lots of dictatorships that that have happened um, in history and all over the world and some people may not know much about dictatorships at all um so any sort of comparisons that can be drawn in an un- in an understanding of i guess in this p- specific situation brazil um you know any sort of understanding is is incredibly useful isn't it i mean this whole thing is about educating ourselves and um yeah i hope you know for the listeners that we're by having these conversations we're sort of providing some sort of of education or just just even just listening to our sort of our research really because we both learn so much don't we through the research um about it all but should we we'll sort of go on to sort of the rise of Bolsonaro so um and sort of a bit of I guess background information so um sort of first initial question is like after hearing a bit about Bolsonaro his party and how they're sympathetic towards Brazil's history as a dictatorship what does this make you question so like do you think do you think about why anyone would vote for him and, and how he came to power? Does it make you sort of question 
the yeah the origins of his his uh, his presidency. Yeah, I definitely think you know why would any anyone vote for him? And I think particularly because. Um, you know the history of Brazil's dictatorship. It's so raw. It's not. It's not that long ago. It's even closer than what the Nazis was. You would think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it would really still be in the minds of a lot of Brazilians. You know, I think particularly older Brazilians. I mean, not even that old because, as I said, it's not that long ago. You know, it's still in their minds that this took place. You know, why would they still vote for him? But then I think that's when it's important then to like make that comparison again with the Nazis. Is I think I remember. I think in you know in history like. Why do people vote for Hitler? But the reason why people voted for Hitler was because he played on, you know, the weaknesses in society. You know, he promised things that people wanted, but then did he do that? You know, or, you know, he kind of exploited it, didn't he? And I think generally speaking, now I'm not saying, I'm saying this is kind of like an educated kind of guess, is that I'm sure that's how most kind of people like that come to power. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it yeah. kind of be the same for Bolsonaro. Yeah, it, I mean, again, I'm I'm saying this from a, a position of not knowing too much about Bolsonaro as a whole, but I can imagine that he makes promises that people agree with and would like, and you know that's how I guess anyone gets into power, isn't it? Is they yeah. they say things that pe- people want to hear, and they say things that align with people's views and ideologies, and that's why they get votes and they get voted in. So I can only assume this is the same with Bolsonaro. Again, I'm not 100 percent sure. I, I like I said, I don't know too much about him, but um, yeah, I can only assume he's saying what Brazilian people want to hear, really. And the thing is, is in politics, everyone says what people want to hear. But I think it's to the extent that you do it. Yeah. Is what what says a lot, you know, is with these people who went on to be dictators, you know, they obviously did it yeah. to a completely different extent to maybe what like the Labour Party or the Conservatives would do, for example, here in the UK. Yeah. And um, I'll just sort of, again, talk this is just a bit more information about Bolsonaro, but, um, and also corruption as a whole. But over the years, Brazilian politics has been plagued by corruption. So uh, Rousseff of the Workers' Party was impeached and removed from office in 2016 because of her connections to the corruption scandal. While she was not in, um, implicated directly, her party, was in, um, her party was in power and she faced other pressures such as the deepening recession. Uh, Lula, served as president from 2003 to 2011 and remains extremely popular in Brazil as his tenure was associated with economic growth and greater equality. Lula is so popular that he was the front runner in the 2018 presidential race, but he was banned uh, from running because he's serving a 12-year prison sentence after also being caught up in the corruption scandal. So with Lula out, Fernando Haddad, a former mayor of Sao Paulo, stepped in. Haddad tried to tie himself tightly to Lula's legacy and he made improving the economy central to his campaign, but he failed to gain enough popular support to beat Bolsonaro, who successfully capitalised on Brazilians like their unhappiness with their government and its perceived inability to address the country's economic and political problems. Um, it's quite a topic that I've got to be honest, I don't feel completely comfortable talking about because it is like it's a really heavy topic and like yeah. what you say about it, it can be quite controversial. And, you know, one of the questions we've got here is, do you think that this is a dictatorship as it follows similar paths to other ones? And completely honest, just looking at these these facts and what we've kind of researched, it is a bit scary because I do think there's some echoes of it. But again, you know, we're talking about this from an outside perspective. I don't live in Brazil. I haven't been to Brazil. I don't know anyone from Brazil, so I can't give that perspective. But it is... yeah. 
definitely it's scary but again it, it depends on like you know to what extent they take this to that would define you know if it, it is following that path or, or if it is that well, what's really interesting is actually Bolsonaro campaigned for president on the slogan Brazil before everything and God above all. Many think of this as Brazil's version of America first, which, of course, um, I believe is what Trump said. I'm, yeah. cor- correct me yeah. if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was what Trump's message was, was this idea of America first. So this campaign was successful for Bolsonaro. So again, a bit more context, who on 1st of January 2019 he was sworn into office winning 55.13% of the vote and Bolsonaro declared Brazil liberated from socialism and promised to unite the people, rescue the family, respect religions and our Judeo-Christian tradition, combat gender ideology, conserving our values. I just want to pick up on on this idea of Brazil's version of, of America first. We were just talking with the question you just asked then. Does, Does that further make you maybe consider that that Bolsonaro could be trying to align himself to someone like Trump, for example? The first thing that I thought there was like, I don't know, maybe he wants to become as powerful as America maybe. Yeah. Wants to be seen as kind of that sort of power in the world maybe. Uh, I'm not not too sure, but I think he definitely has played off Trump a lot. And it got here as well. He's been compared a lot to Trump you know, both um, tried to build campaigns and promises to end corruption and crack down on crime and chaos. And they both use social media to their advantage, or at least try to. You know, the Trump administration, for his part, has unapologetically embraced Bolsonaro as a check, as a, a check on leftist regimes in the region. You know, Trump has treated praise of Bolsonaro's inauguration speech and informed um, the new Brazilian president that the USA is with you. I feel like it's kind of like... Yeah, it's like maybe wants to kind of use that kind of relationship with America to kind of like make Brazil being seen as maybe this more powerful country. I think maybe especially because it's it's part of the BRICS countries, so you know it's an up and coming country. I'm not too sure, but I think there's definitely some good international relations stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I I don't personally study international relations but it's something that I've always been quite interested in so I don't know if one of our listeners is studying international relations pop us a message and and uh yeah give us your opinions on this because I I, this is something I again I I really wasn't aware of this this I this sort of uh seemingly sort of close relationship between between Bolsonaro and and Trump and this comparison that that as you just read is you know he's been compared to U.S. well former obviously U.S. President you know Donald Trump I, I really wasn't was not aware of that um, at all and do you think in a way that that comparison means that a lot of his sort of ideologies are close to Trump so do you want to just talk about Bolsonaro's pledge of, of law and order because it's got some alarming undertones to it yeah so I just say this journey because obviously we spoke about that a lot in the crime one but you know he as we said really wants to crack down on corruption you know and it, this really reminds me of what happened in America last year with all the police brutality. You know, he said that criminals should die like cockroaches. You know, he wants to introduce legal protections for police who kill on the job uh, and stuff like that. He's also made, um, said things about like anti-LGBTQ stuff, um, racist statements. And it's particularly that thing about the police. Obviously, that's been, as I've said, you know, very hot topic in America last year. 
that it does remind me a bit of America, but maybe that just reminds me of America as we've spoken about the kind of that link between Bolsonaro and Trump already. So it's kind of like at the forefront of my mind. Yeah, I think I think I can understand why it's at the forefront of your mind, because it seems like we're reading some very genuine comparisons here, some 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 sim- similarities between Trump and Bolsonaro. And um, yeah, I mean, I am genuinely, you know, shocked by by some of what we've read and again was just so unaware of the extent to which Bolsonaro is 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 and has aligned himself to someone like Trump um you know is Bolsonaro really trying to I guess increase the power of Brazil and saw Trump as someone that he could sort of team up with or become closer connected to and could help Bolsonaro in his in his aim for that I don't know again this is something that I'm not saying I know for sure I'm 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 guessing or assuming um but yeah I mean alarming undertones of of you know of Trump as well um so you know very alarming similarities in their ideologies and their opinions on things as well um yeah I mean do you want to just go on and talk about Bolsonaro's ideologies especially with regards to the LGBTQ community yeah, so a comparative politics professor um, in the University in Sao Paulo told the Washington Post that five years ago, Bolsonaro was just another, another congressman with anti-gay views, but now he's, like, and he literally said here, like Trump, has become a larger-than-life figure. So he's made various comments, um, very homophobic comments, and he said that if he had a gay son, he would be unable to love him and prefer that he would die in an accident. He said that Brazil can't be a gay uh, country of the gay world, of gay tourism, we have families. And Brazil also has one of the highest murder rates for LGBTQ people, which I think putting that into, you know, perspective with his comments. Um, yeah, that's that's another really scary aspect of his ideology. And as well, um, a non-profit organization in Brazil said that there have been 387 murders and 58 suicides in Brazil in 2018 alone due to what they call homotransphobia which is negative feelings towards homosexuals or transsexuals and I think just having someone at the forefront of the government you know kind of saying these things I, I think it's obviously it's going to it's going to affect those types of things, those types of figures, because, you know, he, he's hardly just a person walking down the streets of Sao Paulo, is he? He's, you know, the head of the government, head of the, the country. Yeah, the, the, you know, the president or the prime minister of a country has, you know, is, is the, the, the figure of the country, right? You know, if we think about, you know, the president of America or the prime minister in the UK or, you know, whatever country it may be, they are, they are the, the 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 person that everyone around the world looks at, and I guess the message a president or prime minister puts out is is going to be viewed by billions around the world. So this is the message that Bolsonaro is is putting out, and it's I mean it's it's so sad. It's it's really just you know it it just shows you know Bolsonaro's not just his ideologies but also what actually is happening in Brazil as well if that makes sense you know you talked about this non-profit and the murders and the, and the suicides and it's yeah it's just it's really sad and and um you know do you want to sort of discuss maybe the role of, of religion in Brazil as well yeah. sort of relating to all of this 
Brazil, it's a deeply religious country. It has the world's largest Catholic community and, you know, growing evangelical population upon the, the urban poor. And the Catholic Church and the popular evangelical Christian movement, they frequently frequently criticise gay rights. So this also means that their politics shift to the right. And it's that group of people, um, you know, the Catholics, the evangelicals, that are the main, they, they form the main part of the vote for Bolsonaro. So, yeah, it all kind of kind of goes together there, doesn't it? Like the people who have those sort of opinions, Bolsonaro saying those things and they, you know, they vote for him. I think it's, it's not a coincidence there, is it? Yeah, I mean, like like you've just said, it's, it's a, a series of, events and people isn't it so it's Bolsonaro being the, the president and then his influence on on Brazil on the citizens his influence on people who vote for him then you've got obviously the role of of the church and you know the catholic community you've got all these different uh groups of people or or I guess you know presidents for example these like leaders within Brazil they've all got this this idea and this ideology and that's impacting what's going on in Brazil in the present day. Um, and do you want to just then talk about the advances in, in rights for the LGBTQ community? Because there's quite a lot sort of in, in recent years up until I guess we've got some information here about 2020, which is which is last year. Yeah. Would you like to sort of just talk to us about about the advances? Yeah, I think it's, it's easy to kind of make the assumption in terms of advances for the LGBTQ community that they wouldn't exist, um, but that's not quite the case. So the courts have been the main driver of um, any advances in this sector um, in terms of Brazil because there's little action from Congress due to the conservatives in Brazil in politics and society. So these actions aren't necessarily taken by Bolsonaro or any of his his uh, kind of his government themselves but by the courts which I think you know says a lot so for this reason LGBTQ groups have started going through um, the Supreme Court um, doing strategic litigation advocacy to win more rights to their community and in general this has paid off so for example, in May 2020, Brazil's Supreme Court overturned the ban on gay men giving blood, which is the latest in more than half a dozen rulings it has made in favour of their rights. And again, in 2020, the Supreme Court allowed Netflix to continue showing a film uh, depicting Jesus as gay despite a national outcry and also um, struck down local laws barring teaching on um, gender and sexual orientation in schools. It also voted to criminalise homophobia and transphobia last year, and in 2018 it ruled that the government could not require um, transsexual people to have surgery in order to legally change their gender. So, I mean, we've got some questions, I guess, to discuss about this. Um, so I'll sort of talk about the first one. So, so what do you think it says that activists now go to, to the Supreme Court and not Congress? And what do you think this says about the government? Does it imply trust and, and like the confidence that they will listen to their people? No, I think it, it says it all really, doesn't it? Like, I think you should be, I, you know, obviously I don't know the workings completely of the Brazilian government. So yeah, I'm not going to be able to give like the best answer in terms of that, but I would think that it doesn't, quite you know imply trust in the government I don't feel like yeah. you should feel like you'd have to go to a separate part just to be heard yeah and do you think obviously because people are going to the supreme court and not congress and I very much assume then congress is associated with the government so people are going to this court which is not associated with the government 
do you think that then that shows a lack of trust from from groups of Brazilian people towards their government? Yeah, I think I think it does. And you know, even just looking at um, the reaction of Bolsonaro and his supporters to these developments being made, you know, his supporters they've called for the Supreme Court to be shut down. Um, you know, that's I don't think they're saying that because they don't trust the Supreme Court, but but rather because I think they're not reflecting their ideologies which you know when you're talking about like shutting down like things which are to do with politics which I think the thing that I'm thinking of again is like US where they were saying you know um to not count certain votes and stuff like that you know the reaction generally to that was well you know that's not really democracy is it and I guess that's the same thing here it's kind of like when democracy doesn't go in your favor you're going to kind of like shut it down and I guess that's kind of being shown here as well so also Bolsonaro, he said that the Supreme Court were committing abuses and it was time to put everything in its rightful place. That was after he authorised investigations into claims that he made um, police appointments for personal motives. So, you know, not linked to, to LGBTQ stuff there, but it's kind of like, it doesn't really show that it's a healthy and stable government when it's like, you know, things aren't going in my favour, so I'm just going to shut it mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'll just sort of go on and... and... I guess this is a bit more information about, you know, Bolsonaro and, and Su- Supreme Court. But in one protest, supporters of Bolsonaro set off fireworks in the direction of the Supreme Court building. A leader of the protesters was, uh, sorry, who threatened violence against some Supreme, Supreme Court judges was later arrested. Um, and then we've got some information, you know, about the pandemic now. So during the pandemic, he's been vocal about this opposition with the World Health Organization. And in a now deleted Facebook post, he said, um, which he said encourages um, homosexuality, which uh, he uses as an example of why they shouldn't follow their guidance surrounding the pandemic. Um, and Brazil's president and his senior officials have vowed to revise school textbooks to remove uh, references to feminism, homosexuality and violence. Um, is this frightening? I mean, to me, it's incredibly frightening that, that he's considering or he's vowed to revise school textbooks to remove references to feminism, homosexuality and violence. You know, how frightening is this to you that he's trying to 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 the you know to the core of education, you know, textbooks in in school, that he's trying to um to influence education for it to be aligned to how he has opinions about things. It's kind of like Bolsonaro's like, oh, I don't agree with that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna change the curriculum so everyone speak, like learns what I think. And yeah, that that is really scary because I'm sure there's things that, like, I don't know, like Boris Johnson doesn't agree with, but does he change our curriculum to reflect that? I mean, I'm not, I'm not aware if he has or does or anything like that. But I'm sure if he did, you know, there's a lot of people who wouldn't, wouldn't be happy with that. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, I mean, obviously, we're not, we're not at school anymore. But um, imagine you, you know, being at school and and studying, you know, history or or well any subject really you know um and then our pre- our prime minister turned around and said no i believe this so you're going to study it in this way or no i don't think i don't i don't i don't back this or i don't agree with this let's change how it's taught can you imagine it just wouldn't it just wouldn't happen here i, I there would just be too much of like an outrage i don't think yeah. it, it would happen and what was interesting was in one video I watched, there was a homosexual man and he was a supporter of Bolsonaro and he had very strong conservative views. And I think for me, definitely a thing that a question that arose there was, okay, why would you 
support him then? Like, why would you vote for him when he's, you know, the things that he's doing? It's quite obviously it's discrimination against the, you know, the community that you're part of. Is that something that you think of when I say that, like a homosexual man being a supporter of? Boston? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Sorry, um, yeah, he's supporting um a president who has who has spoken, you know, out against this man's community, like you said, and um. And Bolsonaro, I mean, he's not just had these ideologies and not spoken about it a lot. He's got these ideologies, Bolsonaro, and also he is very vocal about them, as we've discussed during this podcast episode. So um, I wonder, did the man explain why he he voted for Bolsonaro? Yeah, he said, um, for his reason, he said that they have a duty and their duty is religion, family and honesty. But most of the leftists aren't honest. Um, it took me a while to, I didn't understand that at first, but now I think I do. It's kind of like, maybe it's because of all the corruption scandals that have happened with those who are on the left. It's kind of like, well, I can't vote for them because it goes against kind of my duty, what I believe in. So I've got to vote for Bolsonaro. And I think, again, that kind of goes back to maybe, you know, one of his things that he was promising is the run up to the election was, you know, to to stop corruption. And it's kind of that maybe he's been brought in by that. And, you know, whether he goes off and, you know, he tries to fix that, you know, that's not for me to say. I'm not Brazilian, whether I agree with that or whatever. But there's also quite a lot of information that we've got here about um Bolsonaro making racist and sexist remarks so I'll just sort of um again give some context to this so um he disparaged indigenous and uh, quilombolas communities who are descendants of Afro-Brazilian slaves implying among other things that they were lazy and in inverted commas um this is what he said he said I think they don't even manage to procreate anymore Bolsonaro also responded to a question in 2011 about what he would do if, if his son fell in love with a black woman by saying, I don't run that risk because my sons were very well educated. He also said um, a fellow lawmaker in Congress wasn't attractive enough to be raped because she was ugly. He said, she's not my type. I would never rape her. I'm not a rapist, but if I were, I wouldn't rape her because she doesn't deserve it. Bolsonaro said in 2014. And also some of his supporters seemed to welcome his rhetoric, whilst others wanted him to tone it down for fear that he would alienate voters. Bolsonaro tried to play off some of his commentary as jokes taken out of context. And during the runoff campaign, he attempted to use more inclusive language by saying he's trying to make Brazil safer and better for all its people. Can you imagine if Boris Johnson made such remarks? What do you think would be the reaction if Boris Johnson said anything like what I've just read out that Bolsonaro has said? Well, I think he'd probably go and hide in the fridge again, for starters. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, oh my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, I, he he definitely would not be prime minister anymore. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, and again, I think it goes to like, why is it acceptable in Brazil? Um, I don't complete. I can't get my head around that. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I can't either. I can't get my head around that. There's, there's many different factors that play into that. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to that. Um but yeah, it definitely would not be accepted, you know, it's, it is shocking. I mean, I knew I kind of, these things existed. I knew he said these remarks, but to actually like read these remarks and what they are, it's, it's like something completely different, isn't it? And I think now knowing from like kind of the uh, diversity episode that we did and knowing all of that and kind of like, you know, this, this history to do, especially with like, you know, the indigenous communities and, you know, the the Afro-Brazilians and the slaves, 
is the fact that these thoughts and you know these views are still being said it's like you know it's even more scary isn't it I think what is just so scary and like what we've just said we're trying to wrap our head around you know is is how is he out able to say these these remarks because if Boris Johnson made any such remark like you said like he, he just wouldn't he wouldn't be prime minister he, he I'm sure he would be forced to resign yeah. I'm sure of it if he said some of what Bolsonaro what I've just read out that Bolsonaro has said so why is it accepted in Brazil and 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 obviously it wouldn't be accepted here in the UK and I can think of lots of other countries around the world where it would not be accepted I still can you kind of understand any reason at all as to why it can be accepted or are you like me and just really not understanding at all how it is how it continues to be accepted in Brazil no I can't and I think maybe it kind of goes back to like our first like in the very first episode when we were talking like in general about things about Brazil and misconceptions is I was personally surprised I know you weren't but I was surprised that I was part of the BRICS countries and I think that's maybe because I was just looking at it through that lens of oh well corruption you know poverty and stuff like that I wasn't looking at it in a bigger picture and like when I look at it and that I'm like well maybe it's accepted then because maybe Brazil is seen as not being such as a developed country in terms of that like ideology wise I'm not too sure like again in, in my mind if it was a country like for example if it was Spain who said that I would be so much more shocked than I am with Brazil but for some reason yeah. I think it's ingrained with us in Brazil that it's actually that type of things it's not so shocking and I I, I don't know why yeah. I think it's just that thing that's ingrained in us to, to kind yeah. of like not be so shocked if it's coming from maybe that part of the world yeah no I, I completely understand your point there I think we are we've been exposed so much I guess through media and the news and I guess television and things like that and social media that we are not as shocked by hearing these things anymore because they are they 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 come with frequency don't they these controversies and corruption and comments from from Bolsonaro and um yeah I think I, I completely understand what you're saying um it, it just for me it's just so incredibly shocking some of his his comments and how he's able to say these 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 remarks and these comments and this is just like a guess now but do you think that that obviously like Brazilians who completely disagree with this type of thing but they don't have the platform to say it for example yeah like yeah mm-hmm. you know in the favelas they don't have that platform I was I think I was saying before like they get they've hardly had any support from the government in terms of the pandemic so the those in charge of the drug uh, the drug gangs they have been enforcing their own curfews and stuff like that to keep everyone safe and, and all that stuff and they obviously they don't agree with the politics of the president but we hardly hear of that do we like because yeah it's like they don't have the platform do you think that kind of is the same for a lot of people maybe in Brazilian society they, they disagree yeah. with it but there's no platform to say it yeah I think so very sadly so I think so I, I mean Obviously, again, I can't comment for sure. I'm, I'm not Brazilian. I, I've, I've never lived there. I've only visited for a week or so. So it's not anywhere near enough time for me to be able to sort of understand and form a judgment on this. But um, I can probably understand that actually potentially that is the case. Um, people have opinions against Bolsonaro, but don't have a platform or a voice to be able to to voice these opinions. Um, and maybe they, they just don't think there's anything they can do. I, I don't know what what do you think about that yeah I mean I mean you just don't know what's going on like for example his supporters wanted to shut down the supreme court for passing things in terms of lgbtq um you know rights 
is there an aspect of maybe fear again you know I, I don't know this for example but you know there could be that aspect of fear of if I speak out you know maybe he won't like it maybe something will happen maybe his supporters will will be do something say something I mean you just mm-hmm. don't know do you yeah you just don't know and you know like like we've, we've both said we, we don't know exactly what would happen to someone if they did speak out against Bolsonaro you know we've, we've talked a lot about about the corruption, about crime, about Bolsonaro's supporter groups and, and violence and and that sort of thing. So perhaps people are scared to speak out against Bolsonaro for fear of um, what might happen to them. Again, we're not too sure, are we? But I think it's something that could be the case. Um, like everything that we've learned through this this whole Brazil series, I feel more empathy towards the people more than anything and more than I did before, mm-hmm, yeah. if I'm going to be honest. Um the problem I feel lies in the government and that that is what makes me scared about Brazil and the future of Brazil if the government carries on the same path and you know we've seen that you know quite a bit of Bolsonaro's ideology is actually against a lot of you know what the Brazilian population believe how important do you think it is to separate our views of the Brazilian people themselves and their government yeah and I think that is kind of reflected when we did the survey people said you know we know there's positive parts we know there's negative parts but I think because nobody was really educated this deeply on it I think it was difficult to kind of separate what those positive and what those negative parts were but I think now knowing all this I know for me it is I'm not sure about you but it's so much easier to separate it for me yeah the positive parts they tend to come from the people in terms of like the diversity you know and now really understanding the life in the favelas why they do those certain things why maybe they commit those certain crimes for me now it's so much easier to separate the population and the government and I think that's so important because I think if you don't know all these things it's so easy to mesh them together and not see them as separate and I think that's where a lot of stereotypes and misconceptions yeah. of Brazil come from and they're obviously that you know they're true like the thing about the government is true but then it's important to separate that from the people like the thing about the crime is true but then look at the why look at you know what causes it and mm-hmm. also look at the role that the government plays in it for yeah. example no definitely I think it's so important to separate our views of the Brazilian people themselves and and, and their government because as we've discussed throughout this whole Brazil series, there are, you know, some incredibly positive aspects of Brazil and a lot of those associated with the people, you know, the diversity, their creativity, the culture, the festivals, all those things that we've, we've discussed over the last couple of weeks. Um, so it's definitely important to separate our opinion, perspective, our view of the Brazilian people and then of their government. They're two, they should be two different uh, perspectives and opinions and, I think, like you said, a lot of the stereotypes come from when that separation is not there, when people put it all in one collective element, you know, spot, you know, that that um, that the Brazilian people and the government, they're all the same people when actually they're not. It's incredibly important to separate those two. Um, and then from an outside looking in perspective, we can then gain more clarity on why things are the way they are. What happens, what happened with this, why this happened, how it happened you know, um, to sort of gain some perspective. Again, we've talked about perspective a lot throughout this series. And I think by separating our views of the Brazilian people and their government, it gives us more clarity on sort of perspectives about the two different groups. Um, what I just hope that our listeners have gained from from this, this episode in particular is just, I guess, more of an understanding of, you know, the Brazilian government and the impact that the Brazilian government and their ideologies and, 
and actions have on the Brazilian people. Because um, like we've just said, you know, the Brazilian people and the Brazilian government are two different, two different groups. Um, so yeah, just that balance of judgment, I think, is really important when sort of evaluating Brazil as a whole. Yeah, so next week we're moving on um, to a different country. We're going to be moving on to India and we're going to be looking at the stereotypes and misconceptions um, that exist there, looking at them generally like we did in the first episode for Brazil. Um, We'll be looking at obviously what we think, but also um, results of the survey that we did as well. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening to today's episode and of course listening to the whole series that we've done about Brazil. We hope you've enjoyed listening to um, yeah, to this series and uh, we hope you've learned a lot about Brazil. We certainly have learned so much um, throughout this series. So uh, thank you so much for all the support and uh, yeah, see you next week for the first episode of India. Mm-hmm.